What's up, podcast audience? I'm back. This life ain't for everybody. Brought to you again by the one and only. Please enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. But if you choose to have a spirit or a highball, an adult beverage, make it Jack Daniels, Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. We truly appreciate everything that Jack Daniels stands for how they support our culture, the American outdoorsman, Hunter Fisher, living off the land, being a provider. That's what we believe in. We love that lifestyle. We do not apologize about it, but we also want to fly that flag the right way. We want to show compassion to the animals, respect for the resource and live our lives, making sure that the animals are put first and foremost, the land, the habitat and everything that comes with it. Remember that trigger pull or the flight of the arrow is a very little part of it. To be a hunter is a big responsibility and Jack Daniels supports that responsibility and the culture so thank you jack daniels y'all support the partners and sponsors that support us and thank you all for listening to this life ain't for everybody podcast we're growing at a rapid pace still thank you for the subscriptions and downloads and i feel that that's because we have some badass guests on here and today is no different we have one of i would say there's probably like five college wrestlers that I would put on my Mount Rushmore. And I've had two of them on here, three of them on here now. This is the fourth. The other one is an older wrestler named John Smith. I believe my guest today is a huge John Smith fan or was at one time. But my guest today to me is um, one of the ultimate throwers. Like this dude could throw people around. He's a Hodge Award winner. He's a three-time NCAA champion. It's so easy to say that stuff, but to actually do it and to actually be this caliber of a folk style, tradition style, college elite wrestler, Bo Nickel, how are you, my brother? I'm doing awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. This is uh, going to be a lot of fun, but yeah, thank you for having me. Do you – I got to start out with cauliflower here because I'm I'm actually one of the people that are jealous I don't have it because I feel like it's kind of like a, a – I don't know if it's a reward per se because I know that it, there's some pain involved in it, but when you get them – it's almost like that trophy of, of excellence in the work that went in in the mat. Do you feel the same way? And also, do you think that it shows people like you're not a dude they want to talk smack to in a bar on a Friday night in Pennsylvania? That's kind of funny. I actually, I first got cauliflower when I was probably, I was really young. I had to be like 11 years old. And I remember before, like growing up, I just wanted cauliflower because every good wrestler that I knew and looked up to had cauliflower. So I was like, man, like I want cauliflower. I want it so bad. And then I got it and I was like, what the heck? This is not good. <laughs> this does not feel good. But uh, now I'm at the point where I had it so many times. I mean, the last time I actually had real, had it like blow up and swell up was when I was in high school. And so uh, now it's like something where I'm glad that I, all my ears are all mangled and messed up. Cause they're protected from all the scar tissue and they won't get messed up anymore. And so, yeah, it is kind of like a, a badge of honor too, in a way where, you know, it, like uh, for instance, a couple, what, when was this a couple weeks ago, I was like at the lake with some people and I saw this guy and I was like looking at him. And the first thing I noticed was his ears. I was like, what's up, man, you wrestle. And he was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wrestled at Cornell for, and then like we immediately broke out, which was kind of cool. So yeah, definitely something that, it looks ugly, but I like it. <laughs> you, you mentioned Cornell there. What kind of respect do you have for Dake that I want to remind the audience won four NCAA titles in four different weight divisions? He's on the Olympic team. I want to get to the Olympic trials um, and what you encountered there. But is that pretty unbelievable what Kyle did? And do you feel that he is on that you and him are kind of that 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 duo that's the throwers that just pick people up and manhandle them? Because um, he's known for the Dake bombs. Is that fair to say that you both kind of have a little bit of the same style in you? Yeah, I think so. Um, I've been able to train with Kyle a few times and he's a super awesome athlete. So, you know, definitely a fun guy to watch. I, uh, I like, I th feel like, you know, um, sometimes people give him a hard go. They say like he's defensive or this and that, but he's just so tactically advanced. And when he goes, he goes, I love, I like kind of do like his style just cause it's like, he almost like lulls you to sleep and then overwhelms you. People aren't ready for that. And, he gets sick highlights. So yeah, definitely looking forward to watching him in Tokyo. Hopefully he wins a gold medal for, for the country. 
All right. So let's start there because that was so current. Um, you talk about like, I think our U.S. team is awesome. I think we're stacked. I think we have a great shot. Um, I think we start, what, August 3rd next week uh, with with the Tokyo Games for the actual uh, uh, wrestling part of it. You were on a roll in the trials, and then you come up against an ex-teammate, a friend. Current teammate. Huh? Current teammate. Current teammate, a friend. Yeah. And maybe a mentor a little bit. You probably are both mentors to each other. Um, David Taylor, DT, the magic man. Um, was it hard to do that with such a good friend? I've read quotes that DT has put out there since that happened. But was it tough on you mentally? To Is it harder for you to get up for a, a match like that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was really – it was interesting. Um, I don't really know how to – quite describe the feeling that it gave me. Uh, I didn't really, I didn't really feel weird about it or anything like that, or like upset or anything, but it was a different type of feeling. I don't know. I, I can't really, I, I don't know that I could put it into words. Um, because yeah, like you said, teammate of mine, we are in the same training room every day have been since I came to Penn, I got to Penn state in 2014. So the last, I, yeah, the last seven years, uh, been in the same practice room every day, pretty much, and helped him, uh, was his training partner for the world championships in 2018. So yeah, we've been through a lot, a lot together and trained a lot together. And it was definitely a weird feeling, but at the end of the day, like there's only, there's only one guy per country and, you know, only six guys on the team and, uh, that's just the way it goes. So yeah, I mean, uh, obviously would have liked to been on the team, but, uh, it's just, like I said, there's only one guy per weight. With with your mindset and the caliber of athlete that you are, Bo Nickel, and what you've meant to the Penn State Nittany Lion Wrestling Club, your coach is, I mean, I just probably, he. I don't know how he doesn't make my my Mount Rushmore. He's got to make it. I mean, the guy's undefeated in, in his entire <laughs> career, pretty much. Um, what happens to a guy like you, mindset, as mentally tough as you are, you have so much else in life. You're married. You have your training for what the next part of your life is going to be. You have a lot of goals and aspirations. How bad does a defeat like that mess with a caliber of athlete like yourself? How do you take that and let it heal? Does it take a lot of time? Were you depressed? Do you go into a dark spot after this happens? I know that you're a mentally tough person. I know that you're an optimistic, positive individual, but do you go dark for at least a little bit when something like this happens? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think everyone deals with, with loss in their own way and um, different people like to handle it different ways. For me, it's kind of something that, you know, I'm, I feel that I'm probably more competitive than the average person. So I can remember the matches from when I was, when I was six, seven, eight years old that I lost. I don't really remember any of the matches that I won when I was that age or through middle school, high school, stuff like that. I don't really remember many of the matches I won, but if I were to try, I could probably go back through every single match I've lost since I've been, you know, real young since I've been a little kid, you know? And so, um, yeah, they definitely stick with you. Uh, and it's hard. It's, it's something like it, it hurts a lot. Cause for me, like I put so much into it and I do every single thing I can to be the best I can be and so much time. And I believe in myself so much that when it doesn't go your way and things, things don't work out that it really like, it really feels like it kind of like empties you out. Like it's just weird, you know, it's like a empty feeling, but at the same time with that, like, I believe, you know, after um, maturing and understanding like who I am as a person and what, what's most important to me and stuff that uh, at the end of the day, like my relationship with people, my relationship with God, like things like that are so much more important to me. And that doesn't really make it hurt less it doesn't make it like it still hurts and it still is pretty crushing. And I think that like there have been times where after a loss, I've been depressed. Um, this one, I don't really wouldn't go that far, but you know, for certain there's been losses in my, 
life where I've been depressed afterwards. And, um, but now I feel like I'm at a point where like those still hurt just as bad, but I feel stronger in my identity and I know who I am and what I'm about. And that kind of helps me through it. Right. Cause at the end of the day, like one loss doesn't really define me as a person and I'm always going to keep coming back and I will never quit until I achieve what I want to achieve. And I'll do everything I have to do to make that happen. So, you know, I don't really feel like it's kind of something that is defining or something that's like permanent. Like I can move on from it and just do better the next time, but it still, it still hurts. <laughs> so it's so awesome to hear you talk like that because it puts you as a human because everybody looks, well, I do, I shouldn't say everybody. I don't want to categorize or I don't want to, to assume, but it's almost like you guys are on such a level to where you can't be broken. I often ask myself of a three month, four month training camp for an MMA and you go in there like Jose Aldo against Connor and all of a sudden lights are out in nine seconds after all of that sweat equity and elbow grease and dedication and focus. And then how that loss of it's a, it's a hard thing to take. Um, it, 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 it helps me to understand that side of a man like you are. But there's also the other side of how much you've had adversity you've gone through to win and how that any match at any given time at this level, Bo Nickel could get beat. If you think about it, like there is a you are at a level to where there are a lot of lot of good wrestlers. Hey, Bo, can you hear me? You froze up. There you are. Um, you heard everything I said? Yeah, yeah. I heard everything. Uh, you, one match that stands out in my mind, I believe it's your second NCAA final for your second championship, Miles Martin. There's some fireworks early. I mean, I guess that's a fair way to say it. You're put in positions to where adversity sets in. What's what's going on at that time in your career? Because this match is freaking stellar, man. This is Miles Martin is no slouch. There's fireworks going on. You're putting a spark to where, spot where you need to adhere adversity. What's the mindset like right then? How does a world class athlete like yourself overcome that and get to the point to go go into the on the podium with the gold? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, that that whole weekend was like a, a big whirlwind. Um, so just that year was one of the most insane years because Ohio state had this crazy team. Like that team wins the NCAA tournament, like every other year, basically like they're absolutely loaded. And we are Penn state obviously is in a similar situation. And so I would say those are two of the best teams <clears throat> of all time. If you really, really look at it object, just purely objectively by accolades from the wrestlers from top to bottom. And so, uh, going in that whole year too, it was kind of one of those things where people wanted us. we had won, you know, two national titles leading up to that. And we had won, I don't know what it was, probably like five or six or seven out of the last like eight years, something like that. And so everybody w was, uh, wanting Ohio state to win and wanting everybody was wanting us to, you know, kind of go down and it came down to that match. And, honestly, like that whole tournament, I was not wrestling great. I didn't really have too many. I, I should have sealed the deal way before that. If I would have got some more bonus point wins, then th it would have been too far out of reach for them. But I wasn't wrestling good. I was focused way too much on the team race and like w worrying about all the guys and stuff. And so I, uh, get to that match and I'm like really nervous because I haven't been wrestling good. And, uh, I just was like, it was for, for the team title. Like if, if he, if he, if I win Penn state wins, if he wins Ohio state wins. And so at that point, I, I'm like, Oh man, like what the frick is going to happen here? Like not to mention two years prior to that, he had beat me in the NCAA finals. So that was my, of my three losses in my career, he had given me two of those. And one of them was in an NCAA final. So a lot of pressure at that point. And I remember like sitting there nervous before the match and, uh, what really kind of got me over it was coach kale. He come up to me and he looked at me and he was like, Hey, I just want to let you know, if I could put anybody out there to wrestle this match for us right now, I would pick you. And I was like, well, hell yeah, let's get it. <laughs> and at that point I'm like, I, it, the nerves are still there, but I, I just felt so much confidence coming from him that he would say that to me. And cause he's not just saying that to say it like it's, he meant, I could tell he meant it. And so at that point I was like, 
let's freaking get it. Like, I don't need to be worried. I'm not scared of losing. Like I'm going to go out there and, and, and I'm going out there to win. I'm not going out there to not lose. And, uh, so that's kind of how it went I, in my mind. I'm like, I'm coming out here to win. I'm going to smash this dude. Like I'm going to, I'm going to send it. And so, yeah, halfway through the match, like, I don't know. I think if I go in with that mindset, like more than likely I'm going to end up on top and crazy sequence end up on top and the rest is history. <laughs> well, the history is amazing. I want people to understand 135 and five, a four-time NCAA Division I finalist and a three-time NCAA champ, Hodge Award winner. When you were younger, Bo, was wrestling – I don't answer this until I completely finish because I'm completely guessing on this. Was wrestling boring to you of the riding time or just getting in a position to where you held a guy down – because you have a flair for the the unimaginable of the picking them up and throwing them, almost like that Matt Hughes mentality when he was on his game in 04, 05, 06, nine-time defending champion in the welterweight, 170-pound division of the UFC. You th- threw people around for a living. Why did you go after this style? Was wrestling almost boring to you and you had to come up with this way of making it your own your own game and your own style to where it became fun to you. I'm just guessing that it might've been boring just to do it the other way. Yeah. I mean, I, there's definitely a lot of truth to that. I feel like the way I look at it is like wrestling is kind of a facilitator of your personality almost, right? Like some people get more nervous. Some people are less nervous. Some people like the pressure. Some people hate the pressure and like who you are really comes out through how you wrestle, like no matter what, I feel like at the end of the day. And so, yeah, um, there are, I would say that I wouldn't say ever say that wrestling is boring. I would say there are people that wrestle boring and growing up, like I would avoid watching matches that I didn't like that I had no interest in. But if I was coming up and I knew two guys that were gunslingers and they were going to get after it, like I would be there to watch that match. Cause I'm, I love the sport so much. I love watching people that are good at it. And so for me, I always would rather have a crazy 19 to 18 match that came down to the last second and I got a takedown to win versus like a two to zero match where I just held the guy down the whole time. That's not really like fun for me per se, as far as like what the sport can be. And I I always had that mentality as a young wrestler. I was always trying to throw people, always trying to pin people, always just like doing something different. And that, extended not only into like my competitions, but in practice, like try something new, figure it out, be creative, invent new moves, invent new ways to do moves, like stuff like that. And I still do that to this day. So I feel like that for me, it wasn't necessarily that like wrestling was boring. I feel like some people, how they wrestle, they made it boring and I would never do that. Like I would rather, I would rather just die than like be, be boring and not have like excitement in my life. If that makes sense. (laughs) It does, and I want to I want to continue this thought with a friend of mine was an NCAA referee. He's a big fan of yours. He sent me a question, if you don't mind um, listening to this, Bo. My friend's name is Brian Kelvington. He's from the state of Minnesota. He's an absolute badass. He says, one thing people remember about you, Bo, was your continuous hunt for bonus points. In 72% of your matches, you recorded bonus points huge in a duel and even more impactful in the NCAA tournament. And it's not like Penn state wrestled a soft schedule. Why was it important to you to keep scoring or pinning? Because in your senior year, you finished 30 and O and, and 90% of your wins came with bonus points. He knows a lot about you. So I like, mean, I th- he, hopefully you can answer that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that like, for me, the goal, the goal isn't to win. There's been matches where I go out and I've won the match and I've been pissed. Like, I've just been like, what am I doing go out there? That was so dumb because of my mindset and like kind of how I, I treated the match because the goal for me isn't to win. The goal is to wrestle the best that I can for every second that I have on the mat, which isn't a long time. It's seven minutes. Right. And so, if I can 
go out there and do that and wrestle my absolute best and leave everything I can out on the mat for every second that I have. Doesn't matter the outcome. Doesn't matter if I win, if I pin the guy, if I lose, doesn't matter. But if I go out there and I feel like I wasted that time, that's just like disrespectful to my coaches, disrespectful to myself, all the work that I put in, all the training that I do. Like I don't go out there to, I don't go, I don't train as hard as I do to go and, and do everything that I, I do and, and work this hard to go out there and not make the absolute most of that. And so that's, what's like more frustrating than anything is when I, if I don't wrestle the best for the entire time, the best I can for the entire time I have, that's like the, where I have a problem. And I think that led to me getting a lot of pins, scoring a lot of points and stuff like that. So yeah, it was just more of a mindset of like, I'm going to make the absolute most of this. Like life is short. Like this is what I live for. I live to go to train so freaking hard and then go out there and do everything I can do to not only, I, I want to, I want people to see something that I do and be like, wow, like I have never seen somebody do that before. And I never thought that somebody could do that. And then I do it again and again and again, every match. Cause I keep working for that. And then, yeah, that's, that's where like the bonus points and the pins and that type of stuff comes do you attack life the same way? Like right now I've been watching you that you are, then you're wearing Matthew's archery hat. I love Matthew's bows. We shoot Matthew's bows. You're now taking up archery. I'm, I know that there's several, I know Spencer Lee is in the midst of building his own bow right now. I know Chad Mendez, a good friend of mine who was a college wrestler, NCAA runner up, a badass in the UFC loves to archery hunt. I give him t crap all the time about how he shouldn't hunt turkeys with bows. And then he puts me in a headlock and then I shut up for a little while. Um, <laughs> but I know a lot of athletes, wrestlers and MMA guys that love box that love, uh, archery. Now, will you attack archery the same way to where you're like going to be out in the backyard shooting 3d targets 15 hours a day right now i mean i that's literally what i'm doing <laughs> i just came from the backyard i uh i had an extra so i i did some sa some salmon today with my wife on on the traeger for dinner and i was like you know what this is going to take probably like 20 minutes to cook so i set up my target and just shot for 20 minutes but yeah i, I love it it's i think that it's definitely i think that more so like that's my personality and that's who I am. So that translates to wrestling. That'll translate to archery. That'll translate to business or whatever else I decide to pursue. And yeah, with archery, it's, I feel like for me, what I do every day is super taxing mentally and physically. And, and, uh, I relate it to archery a lot. Like the training that we do in, in wrestling and in combat sports, like it's, it's, there's a lot of parallels between it and archery. And it's nice for me to be able to have, to be able to have like a big, big percent of my time. I focus on my craft, what I'm doing and what I'm trying to be the best in the world at, but I can't do that for a hundred percent of my day and hundred percent of the week and year. And I don't, I just don't think that that's a healthy way to live. And I don't think that that would yield the best results. So I've been looking for, hobbies and different things that I want to pick up. And, uh, like I tried golf for a little bit and I was like, this is fun. Like I, I like it, but I'm really just, I'm just competitive and I want to do better at it. But then I, I started thinking about doing archery and, and starting to hunt archery. And I'm like, this is a lot, this is a lot. Like I know the people that do this, they're, they're for real about it. And you got to train like, cause at the end of the day, like you want to respect that animal that you're, you're hunting and you want to give them an honorable, death. You don't want that animal to suffer and you want to take care of them as best as possible. And so that's a big commitment. That's training every day. That's being in good shape. And I just saw so many parallels from like what I believe in and how I like to live my life and archery and things like that, that it just made sense. I, I just felt like it, it like was like calling to me. And this was probably six, eight months that I was watching videos and researching and, and learning about it before I even got a bow. And I've only had a bow for it's been like seven, eight days, but I've shot every single day and I love it. And I just can't wait to like keep getting better. And the goal is next fall to that'll be when I first actually hunt. So, yeah. I need to introduce you to Chad. Do you know Chad Mendez? I, I, I obviously know who he is and stuff, but I don't think I've ever spoken to him or anything like that. I watched a lot of his fights, watched his uh, wrestling matches when he was in college and stuff too. But yeah, I, I would love to talk with him. 
I'll introduce you guys. Uh, he's on the ocean fishing for tuna right now, but when he's back on Friday or Saturday, I'll introduce you guys and um, we'll all get together on a hunt. He loves it too. Yeah. When you start, when before we went into the, the archery and you're, the way you're attacking it, when you make the decision to leave Texas and go to Penn State, was it mainly because of Coach Sanderson that you made this decision? And once you make this decision – you talk about, you know, when I was a kid living up to my dad's expectations and always wanting to do right by dad and never wanting him to like be like, oh, what the hell was that? Even though mistakes happen, was it hard to live up to a guy like this is expectations with all of his accomplishments in that room and on the mat? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of had a similar upbringing. Like my dad, my dad was my wrestling coach from when I started all the way through I was 18 until I got to Penn state. It was my dad always there. And that was like a big part of, um, my decision was making sure that whoever was coaching me and that are, were people that I could trust that people that like were guys of high character and who believed in the same things I believed in. And, you know, so the coaches obviously were the reason that Penn state, um, was as good as they were back then when I was looking at schools. In addition to that, I was looking at like, my partners and uh, just the environment and how people treated each other and stuff like that. And so once I got to know the coaches and some of the guys on the team, I was like, this is, this is where I belong. Like, this is a perfect fit. And then I guess, uh, and uh, coach kill, he was my favorite wrestler growing up. Like that was the number one guy I was watching videos and looked up to. I mean, I remember watching every single match that I could, that he had in college, which isn't a a lot because they didn't have that much video back then, but, and then watching all of his matches on the Olympics. And I still go back even now, um, those matches were almost 20 years ago. I still go back and watch them. And so he's a guy that I looked up to a lot, a lot, just by the way he wrestled and stuff. And I feel that when I first got to Penn state, it was definitely a little intimidating. I was like, man, like this guy's a legend. Like this guy is so good. Like he was undefeated and like, like literally the best in the world. And it was intimidating, but I think after getting to know him and getting to know like truly what was important to him and not just like the wrestling technique and the different things he taught me specific to the sport, but the values that he taught us, like the things that we choose to focus on as a program. Like, I, I, I think that that kind of helped me. Well, that gave me a better understanding of like who he was as a person and why he was so successful. And because of that, I felt le less pressure to like perform for him. And I felt less pressure to win. I felt more pressure to like do my best. Like I was saying earlier, because that's kind of a lot of that stuff is like kind of stuff that he instilled and that our co other coaches instill in us is like, Hey, you make the most of every second. Like you never quit. Like you don't like put your head down. You keep your chest up. You give that like, you, you, you build your reputation more. So that's more important than winning a match. Like you, you make sure that guy doesn't want to wrestle you again. You know, it's, it's more about those type of things that don't have anything to do with winning and losing. don't have anything to do with the results. That's the type of stuff that he uh, emphasized. And for me, like, that's why it hurts so much more. If I felt like I didn't wrestle to my potential and I didn't do my best and make the most out of my time that hurt way more than losing a match. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, he didn't, he never really pressured us to win. He just pressured us to like have, have a great effort and, and just like the way we carried ourselves, that's what was way more important to him than winning and losing. And so I didn't really feel as much pressure to win after I realized that. Do you call him a friend now that you're not wrestling for him anymore? Or do you still consider yourself wrestling for him? Will you always wrestle for him? Is that, is it just an unbreakable bond now? Yeah. I mean, I, I think of him on a lot of different levels. I would say, I would say like, like mentor coach, I call him coach kale. Like that just to me is, dad was a coach and I, I look at coaching that's the ultimate like way to serve people it, our world today being a coach is very like when when wrestlers come up and we get our we get our hand raised we the crowd cheers for us like 
they, the coaches don't really get any of that glory. Like they put more hours in than any wrestler and get less of the appreciation than a single guy. And so I just feel like, like the, like our coaches are such good servants of us. And that's something that like I strive to be someday. And hopefully when I'm older and done with my athletic career, I can be a coach and I can take those things that coach that coach kale and the other coaches have taught me. And, uh, then give continue to give those to younger generations and continue to pass those those that mindset and those ideologies like those things on um and that way like that's respectful of like all the time that they've given me and it's something that it continues through generations and uh yeah i mean i i feel like right now i would say that coach kale and i are great friends but it's not just like a strictly a friendship. It's, it's a lot more of like him being a leader mentor and like, like somebody that I look up to and would want to emulate when I get to the point where I'm done competing and want to coach. Would you say that in your, with your um, understanding of the history of wrestling and your intelligence in wrestling, does he have the greatest wrestling career of all time competitively in coaching? Well, I think that you can look at it a few different ways. Like if you look at it just like completely based on stats, completely based on records, like there are people that have won more world medals and won more Olympic gold medals, things like that. John Smith, great example, won more world championships, um, you know, but for me, like, I don't really care what anybody says. I don't care how many stats they can throw in my face. Like he's the best. He's the best of all time. First off, he went undefeated in college, four-time NCAA champ, which in my mind is way harder to do than to, I mean, after having gone through it and understanding, like I lost a few times in college, I couldn't like imagine losing no times. Like that's a lot of, a lot of just, there's so many different things that can happen. And he was so consistent for such a long time. And then, ultimately coming out, winning an Olympic gold medal, and then moving on to coaching. I, I don't really care what anybody says. Oh, this guy did this. This guy did that. Like he'll always be the best to me. He'll always be the goat in my mind. Like there's a lot of people I feel like say like, Oh, there's not like one single greatest of all time. You know, there's a list of people that can all be considered the greatest of all time, their own respect. But I got in my mind, it's, it's coach kale. Like there's no question about it. And that's from seeing what he did, his accomplishments, and also just getting to wrestle with him and train with him. And he's 40 years old now, and he's wrestling me and David Taylor and Kyle Snyder every day. And honestly, like he, he, he's one of the best guys in the room still, like, and he's not even really trained to compete. And it's been that way for a long, long time. Like there's, it makes me sad because now it's like, if I beat him in a match, I'm like, dang, I beat him and I'm hype about it, but like I beat a 40 year old, like <laughs> it's not as like sweet as it would have been if I could have wrestled him when he was younger, but he's just so good and such a good person. So for me, he'll always be the goat in my mind. Very well said 2019, the same year we talked about the miles Martin match. You have Mark Hill, you have Nolf, you have Caesar, you, this team is stacked with NCAA champions. This is saying a lot about coach Sanderson because like you said, Anything can happen. You lost only five times in four years. He lost zero. But now you have this team that anything can go wrong at this level, especially in the tourney. Um, how, do, how does a guy coach that? How much of that has to do with his mentality and the way that he gets it through, like you've been explaining, Bo Nickel? How much of that do you guys owe to Coach Sanderson in the overall Nittany Lion Penn State program? more so than your actual talent level, or is it the talent that you guys have that's just shining through so much? Because you guys ran through that tournament in Penn State. I mean, that a lot of teams were good that year. Ohio State was great that year. You guys were stacked. How does that happen, and is a lot of that owed to Coach Sanderson? Well, I think that um, first off, absolutely a lot of it is owed to him. Our whole coaching staff, like I think about it this way, like 
there's a lot of really good recruits coming out of high school and Penn state gets a lot of really good recruits. Right. But how often do you see really good recruits pan out? Not, it's not as often as you would think, like there's no sure thing coming out of high school. There's no sure thing. Like you can t- go and look at the last 20 years. And I would say out of the, if you look at every class, you could take the number one guy and see like, be like, this was like the surest guy to like be a success in college. And I guarantee you less than half of them actually ended up being successful in college. So that's like the thing. I think people like to say, Oh, he's so good at recruiting this and that. It's like, yeah, we get good recruits. We get good recruits for a lot of different reasons. And coach Kale is one of the reasons Penn state's a reason. All of our partners are a reason, but the development that, that our guys have is truly second to none. And I mean, if you look at me coming out of high school, I was like a top 10 pound for pound recruit. And, but like, I wasn't where I ended. I I was not, no one would have guessed that I would have been as good as I was in college coming out of high school. And they would, and, and, and for me, I think like, yeah, if I would have went to a different school, like I still would have been really successful, but I don't know. I, I honestly don't think I would have dominated as much as I did or had as much fun as I did. Cause a lot of it has to do with the environment. Like I believe myself and I know I still would have been successful and still would have won a lot, but it's, it's, I think it's impossible for me to say I would have done the exact same or better anywhere else just because of our environment. I believe it's, it's, it's second to none, not only in the country and the, but in the world, like the way we train and our facilities top to bottom from our coaches all the way down through our, um, athletic training staff and our strength conditioning coaches, like everything is like professional. It's a real true professional program. Like we're in college and stuff, but like the way it's run is not amateur. So yeah, I mean, there's a reason that we're winning. There's a reason that we've won, I think eight out of the last 10 NCAA titles. And um, the reason that we have like more guys in the finals every year, there's a reason that they're 40% of the NCAA champs from this past year were for Penn state. There's a reason that we took half the NCAA champs, uh, in 2018. Like it's not just getting good recruits and it's, it's the whole thing, everything together. Like it works. When you have that much talent on the mat and you have that much talent in the coaching staff, that much talent as the head coach, that career, as the head coach, and then you'd start talking about the training staff. I mean, it goes all the way down the line, right? The 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 assistants, the 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 people that are helping you guys get your equipment ready. That's it takes a team effort. There's no doubt. Even though wrestling is an individual sport, it takes a team effort to get you guys there. What kind of coach is he, Bo Nickel? What kind of coach? How would you describe him? His coaching prowess his coaching style and Bo Nickel, tell me how he leads a practice. And the reason I ask you so much about coach Sanderson is because the, when I talk to DT and I talk to you and I watch you guys on the mat, you can tell that there is a commonality in what you guys are doing and the way you're focused and the way you're thinking that has to come from him. That has to be his mindset that he has brought this, this conglomerate of these individuals together that very easily could not have become what they did. They, like you said, not every big recruit turns into what they could potentially could be. But you guys did. You guys got brought to a different level. How does he conduct a practice? Is it 100% on the gas all the time? Or does he believe in good sleep habits? Does he talk about rest? Does he talk about nutrition and diet and mentality and, and, and academics in your classroom and all of that? What, what else does Coach Sanderson do that brings all this talent to the gold medal? Yeah, I mean, I think that – I think that – if I were to try to explain it, I would say that it starts with him. Like he's like the, he's the, the top of the pyramid. Like it starts with him. Right. And based on that, like everything kind of, we all kind of, it trickles down. And so that from, from him, it kind of goes into like all the assistant coaches and they're like, we kind of, they all have their different strengths and different things they're good at. And so they'll all run, they're all able to run practices. They're all able to teach technique, but they're really good at, I would say the best, the thing that they're best at is like, like having no ego. None of these guys feel like they're better than the the group. They're not more important than the group. Coach Kale, 
coach, coach Cody, his brother, Casey Cunningham, Jake Barner. Like I feel like they all have a great understanding of a nothing I do or nothing I want is, is more important than the greater good of the entire team and everything like that. And so again, getting back to the point, like those guys are all like servants. They want to serve us and they want to do whatever they can do to help us achieve our goals. And that's not only in wrestling, that's in life. Like they just care about their guys. I don't think there's another staff on the planet that cares about their guys the way that our coaches do. And and they really truly take care of us. Um, but yeah, I think like the way the program is run, everyone has their strengths and the things that they're good at. And I feel like if you throw a lot of ego in that, then people want to control everything and they want to make sure that everything's done the way they want it. But that's our coaches just, they don't really have that. Like they're competitive and they'll freaking fight and do everything they can to win, but they don't have that ego. They, they don't have that feeling of being better than any, than, or, or too, too good to do anything. Like the other day I saw coach Kale, he's mopping the mats, like just stuff like that. And all of our coaches are down to do anything for us. I mean, a good, a good example when I was a freshman, I had to have coconut water after every weigh-in. And uh, I just like like this specific type of pineapple coconut water. And for some reason, I like left mine in the hotel. And we were in New York City. It was like busy. It was like 7 a.m. And uh, I was like mentioning it to my strength. I just figured out, like not have coconut water this time. But uh, and I wasn't like going to be kind of complaining about it or anything. But I just like mentioned it. And our strength coach, his name's Mike, he sprinted like – four blocks in the middle of New York city, got my coconut water and like ran it back to me just to just cared about me just cause he wanted me to, to have that and to be, to get, have what I needed. And like, that's how everybody is just like, we care about each other. And that, that like meant a lot to me as a young guy, seeing that, seeing people that have the willingness to just like sacrifice and serve and give back to each other. So I, I think that if that makes sense, that's kind of what different and how the, achieve what we have and I, I just think we all care and not just a superficial thing when you when you start thinking about you know what you just laid out about how it starts with coach sanderson you have a lot of teams that you were involved with under his tutelage um 18 was loaded had five in the finals and four champions like we talked about. Um, how do you compare the teams? Can you pick a favorite? Did each of them hold its own place in your heart? Um, or is there one that you would pick to go back and back to and be a part of again over the other of like 17, 18, and 19? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I feel like I like them – all for, for different reasons. I feel like, uh, 2018 was most fun because we had the biggest challenge. Like that was the year that we had to beat the best team. Like the other years, it was kind of like, uh, like we got this, like, we don't even have to, like, I don't know. It was just like, uh, it wasn't how, if we were going to win, it was how bad we were going to win. Like 2018, we had five in the final, five in the finals, five champs. And at that point, like it was sick because 50% of the NCAA champs were from our team. And like, that was super awesome. But it was also like, uh, like <laughs> we're just, it, I don't know. I guess if I could compare it to bow hunting, it would be like you hitting, like having to wake up first day of your hunt and hit like a 10 yard shot for a kill versus like going seven days and rucking and, and getting back in there. And then like, like hitting a monster bull in the perfect spot from like 50 yards or something like that. Like that's kind of like a better feeling. Right. And so, um, 2018 was fun because we got to do that. Like it was a bigger challenge for us. We had like a lot of adversity for our team. So that year was definitely the most fun, but my senior year was really fun too, just cause it was my senior year. And I was like, just let's enjoy this. Let's have fun. And I feel like a lot of people have pressure their senior year and they want to like make sure they go out on top make sure they end this end the right way, this and that. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, I'm just, I feel like I'm just like having a good time and I love all these guys. And it was really cool. Cause that was my senior year was the first year that, uh, 
my my best friend, the best man in my wedding, and my roommate for seven years, Anthony Kassar, he he was able to wrestle the NCAA tournament and and his first time and and win a, win a championship. And so like that was big for me because that was like my number one dude. Like I said, best man in my wedding, roommates for seven straight years, like as close as you could get and getting to see all that work that he put in for five years leading up to that. He had multiple shoulder shoulder surgeries and came back from so much and then was able to move up to heavyweight, win a national title. And we trained together basically every day that year. And he was able to, you know, uh, beat Gable Stevenson, who was like an awesome competitor and um, then win the, win the nationals. And so like, we got to spend that together and I got to enjoy my senior year. So I, I love all the years for different reasons. And I don't know if I, I, I wish I could just go back and be a freshman again and go all the way through it again. <laughs> Ooh, I like that answer. But in 2019, you win the distinguished Hodge trophy. That's the mm-hmm. NCAA wrestler of the year. You win it over Nolf. You win it over Caesar, both teammates. You win it over Spencer Lee. How many times has Spencer won it every year except that maybe? Like he's, has he won it twice know. or three times now? I don't know. I feel like he's probably won it twice because the year before that was Spencer's freshman year and Zane won it that year. year. So I think Spencer's won it twice now. Talk to me about him for a second, even though he's a Hawkeye. What Mm -hmm. is he impressive? I mean, you have to be impressive. I feel like Spencer, Spencer, um, obviously super technical, super skilled wrestler, but I think that one thing that's cool about Spencer is he always wrestles really good at the nationals. You know, it doesn't really matter what happened that year leading up. Like he's had years where he's taken losses and gotten beat by guys, but he wrestles great at the NCAA tournament. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for that, especially with, you know, him, I guess this next year he'll be going for four titles. So, yeah. Um, so how did it feel? to get that award. How do they, do you know it way before it's announced or do you know it because you've accumulated enough points? Is it a, is it a, a, a trophy that they give out because that year there was a couple wrestlers on your team that were deserving. Did what criteria did they go off of in 2019 and how did they notify you that you're going to be yeah. the Hodge trophy winner? So the, the criteria is um, record. So, obviously if you're undefeated, that's, you, you're not really going to be considered unless you're undefeated. Um, there's only been a couple times that a guy that's not, that's had losses, that's won the Hodge. So your record, then your dominance. So like pins, bonus points, things like that. Um, and then from there, it's like kind of some, uh, it's like past accolades and things like that. So, um, our se- my senior year, it pretty much was me and Nolf. There wasn't really anybody else that was like, I felt like that was in our really in our, it was going to be competitive with us because we had like the highest bonus points and most pins and it wasn't really, there was nobody else that was really close. And so after the, after the end, you don't know until like a few weeks after the NCAA tournament and uh, they do like a fan vote and stuff like that. And there's the, the, how it's determined is or ballot. So if you're a past Hodge trophy winner, you get like a ballot and then you vote on who you think um, deserves it. And so I honestly thought that me and Nolf were going to share it, that they were going to do co-hodge because our stats were very similar. I just like barely beat him out in a couple of things and bonus points and pins. And I had like a, a few more wins than him. And so I, I was pretty sure that we were going to share it, which I mean, I didn't really want to, I was like, ah, like whatever. But, um, that's my, like, he's one of my best friends too. He was in my wedding as well. And I've known him since I got to Penn state and we've been super tight. So, I, I, I wanted him to get it too, because I knew that he deserved it as well. But yeah. So after they did the votes and everything like that, uh, the people that determined that called me up and were like, Hey, like you, uh, you won the Hodge, like just want to congratulate you this and that. And then like, we're going to come out and give you the award and at your banquet and stuff like that. And I was like, Oh, nice. Like, that's sweet. I was pretty pumped about it. I, it's kind of weird. I felt like for me personally, my goal coming into college, I didn't want to win the Hodge Trophy one time. Like that was like, I was like glad to do it, but that wasn't really like my goal. I had felt like really for me since my sophomore year, since I won my first national title at that point, I was like, I'm the pound for pound number one. Like, I don't care what anybody else says. Like I've been it for three years. Um, and so 
if they give the award to somebody else, it is what it is. But in my mind, like I'm the number one, like, I don't really care. I don't really care about that stuff, but it was nice to, uh, to get that. And it was kind of like a little cherry on top of my career and kind of just a little token of appreciation for all like the work that I had put in. Where does that trophy sit today? Is it at mom and dad's house? Is it where you are right now? And if it is, can I see it? <laughs> it's not here. Uh, we got, we got some NCA trophies here. Let me see one, There's please. Are, is there them, one close but, by? Uh, Look at that. Look at this. Yeah. What's that one? So this was 2017. This is 2017-184. So this is actually my first national title right there. Hold it back a little bit, Bo, uh, if you would. Hold, hold, it, hold them back a little bit further. I want to see one a little bit. Yeah, about right there. Look at that, folks. 2017, 184-pound <laughs> NCAA champion that's so awesome yeah look at those now are you <laughs> yeah, in the so got, are you in the midst of building like a, a really sweet little trophy display or are they just kind of chilling on your nightstand right there or what is this are do you have your own podcast this looks like a podcast room yeah so actually uh we've recorded one episode me and my buddies but uh so we have like everything set up cameras and lights and and mics and stuff and this was going to be the podcast room but we've only recorded one episode so we're kind of working on it right now we all are traveling a ton in the summer so once uh we get settled down here in the fall we'll probably record some more episodes well i want to come on it so don't don't be afraid to invite me someday i got you yeah no doubt but yeah i have uh it's kind of funny so i have all my ncaa trophies here except for one, except for my freshman year. So the one I have that I won my freshman year, it's second, it's the only second place one I have, but it stays, uh, in my locker in the box in, uh, in rec hall. And then my Hodge trophies in rec hall too, but it's displayed. Your second place trophy stays in a box in your locker. It stays in the box in my locker. That's where, that's where it's been. Well, it was in my locker. So after I won it, I like was going to throw it away because I didn't give a crap about that. Um, and I was just pissed, but then I was like, you know what? Like I'm leaving this here. So we have like little cubbies in the top of our locker and it's like the perfect size for it. So I just have it back there in a box and I just see it every day before practice just to kind of like motivate me a little bit. Um, but yeah, it stays there. Uh, I don't, I don't ming- intermingle it with these ones. <laughs> well, tell the audience, Bo Nickel, what you mean by your locker, because you graduated two years ago. Your last NCAA title as a senior, your third one was completed in 2019 with the Hodge trophy. Yeah. What is, why do you still have a locker once the Nittany Lion always won, or is it because you're part of the Nittany Lion wrestling club now? Yeah. So it's not the same locker room as what I was in college. When I was in college, it was in, I had the same locker for five years because I redshirted. And so, um, it was there. And then I actually stayed an extra year in that locker because the other locker room where like the NLWC is and the coaches is not as nice. It's not, it's kind of crappy. So I was like trying to hang out in, uh, the college locker room as long as I could. So I stayed there like an extra year. And then the coaches, the coaches and our director of ops were like, Hey, like you got, it's time. (laughs) And I was like, all right, fine. So I moved my stuff over and, uh, yeah, but the box, the trophy is now in the new locker. Well, it's, is in the NLWC locker room and I see it before I work out. NLWC meaning Nittany Lion Wrestling Club, correct? Yeah. The locker it's, it's all in rec hall. Our locker room is like, it's like 50 yards from the college locker room, but it's just like an old crappy locker room. <laughs> Were you surprised when Kyle Snyder makes the announcement to leave Ohio state wrestling at, uh, club and come to Nittany lion? And again, does this go back to the common denominator of coach Sanderson's mentality that people want to be a part of? I mean, I was shocked. I was like, wow, like that's crazy. I've known Kyle since, uh, since we are in high school. Um, we had, we had trained together and stuff. And so we were young and, uh, I remember I was like, dang it. I wish I could have been teammates with this guy. Cause I love Kyle. He's such an awesome person. And so when he decided to come down on WC, I was like, let's go. I was pumped. Cause I literally, Kyle's one of the most awesome dudes I've ever met. He lives one block from me, like right across the street. So, uh, yeah, great dude. I was definitely surprised just cause like, when you think of Kyle Snyder, Ohio state, like you don't think of anything else. Like he was the guy. And so 
for him to come here. I think that, you know, it doesn't, it's not necessarily a knock on Ohio state. I think it's just think he needed to change it up. He needed something different, just different looks, different partners, things like that. I know when I've talked to him, it's like, it wasn't anything bad about Ohio state or any bad blood there. It was more so just, he just needed some different looks and wanted to do what was best for him. But yeah, definitely super glad to have him here. Awesome training partner from me and just a great, great dude. So give me your, I want to end it. I know that you've given us some of your time and I truly appreciate you being here, Bo Nickel. I got a couple more. Just, I want to know your predictions for over there. What are your predictions? Who, you don't have to say who you don't think is going to get it, but who off the top of your mind right now is going to be listening to the Star Spangled Banner with gold around their neck? I, I'm, I'm predicting five gold medals. That's it. Ooh, That's the stand. Let me hear it. Gilman, we got, obviously, we don't have 65. We got Dake, we got David, we got Kyle, and we got Gable. I'm predicting five gold medals for the U.S. That's it. Those guys are all ready to go. I would say. You know, every single one of them, I'm not going to say should win, but because it's the free Olympics, like I don't really think there's anybody that like should win, but every single one of those guys is ready to win. So, I mean, out of those guys, three of them are teammates of mine. One of them trains with us regularly being Dake. And then the other one's Gable, who's a freak. So five gold medals for us. That brings me to the last part that I want to talk on. Bo Nickel. What a badass name. It's um, like you hear names. You're like, Bo Nickel, if you're not going to be a wrestler, you're going to be a bull rider guaranteed, or may, you're probably too big for a bull rider. You're going to be, you're probably going to be yeah. a, you're going to be a steer wrestler, probably coming out of Texas, probably going to yeah. be a 216 pound, 214 pound steer wrestler at the NFR. Um, you're going to be all over the Houston rodeo. I'm, uh, I don't know. I don't know what else you'd be, but Bo Nickel, that's a cowboy name, bro. That's like, that's so Texas, but my, uh, my, my mom's dad, well, my, my dad's dad was a farmer. He grew up on a farm his whole life in Wyoming. And my, my mom's dad was a horse trainer and that's her whole family is horse trainers. They all, uh, do reining. And he, he, uh, was at one point, like my grandpa, my papa was like the number one horse trainer in America. He had like his own TV show deal with Wrangler, all this stuff. So I grew up going to rodeos and things like that, but I've always wanted to ride a bull. So at some point I'll try. Oh God. Uh, we'll you're going to be on an episode of Jackass with Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> be careful, dude. Those things are 2000 pounds and they jump four feet in the air and they're spinning at a fast rate, man. I was just watching like a little uh, Netflix, like mini series on bull riding. And I was like, okay, I'm not doing that. Let's figure <laughs> out something that's like a little bit smaller, maybe like half that size. And, and, then we'll work our way up. But <laughs> I, I ducked kind of two years ago with Chase Outlaw, who's from Arkansas, and he's one of the top three in the world every year when he's not hurt. But he got out of the truck, and I'm like, dude, I could buck you off. Like, I'm, a, I'm 210 pounds, and I think I could smoke you. And I put my hands on this dude, and he literally tied me in a knot. And I'm like, God dang it, just like 135 pounds and just would have beat the living heck out of me, man crazy how little yeah, those guys are compared They're to those animals ridiculous. we started this off by talking about the olympic trials and we also talked a little bit about your future and your transitioning into mma what are what can we expect out of the bo nichols camp when it comes to the olympics the world championship in wrestling mma what are we looking to do right now um now we're gonna we're I'm going to be part of the team because I feel like me and you are going to become fast friends. I want to come train. I want to come roll with you. I want to get my butt kicked. I want cauliflower ear, Bo Nickel. I want to come down there for two weeks and have you and Snyder just beat the heck out of my ears because I need to have that freaking badge of honor. And I'm not saying that lightly. I really mean that. I wish I would have been a world-class wrestler. I think it is so awesome. But what can we expect out of your camp, bro? Yeah. um, So right now I'm – I've been doing some, just a lot of MMA training and that obviously involves wrestling training as well. So the plan for me, um, I'm, I plan on competing wrestling, MMA and jujitsu all, uh, over the next few years. So, um, there's a world championships for grappling, uh, later this year. I'm looking at possibly competing in that. I'll have to win the uh, world team trials in America. Um, I was invited to the world team trials there. And so, um, I'm, I think that's in October that the world team trials is. So I'm looking to hopefully win the world team spot for, for grappling there and then do that. 
I'd like to get an amateur fight by the end of the year as well. And if I can get a, if I can get two amateur fights by the end of the year, I would be really happy. One would be what I'm thinking is more likely is just getting one. And that's if I can find an opponent or not. And then at that point, I'm looking at early next year, turning pro for MMA and starting to get pro MMA fights. Um, so that'll be early 2022. Um, I'm still going to be training in state college. I, like I said, I build a gym out American top team gym. It's like 15 minutes away from Penn state from campus. So I'm doing a few days a week at American top team, a few days a week with the NLWC, uh, still training wrestling. And so I probably won't compete as much wrestling, but I'm still, I still have 2024, uh, Olympics on my mind. So, um, I'm definitely still in the wrestling world and I'm still training, uh, with, with and uh, got a lot going on, but I love it. I love combat sports, so just uh, trying to be be the best I can be and make the most of each and every day and enjoy it and have have some fun. I love it. When you say that you opened a gym with ATC, are you or uh, ATT? Are you a franchisee? Do they? Is it like the UFC gym to where they let you become a business owner and put their name on it? Yeah, essentially. So. I partnered up with uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu coach Marcel Ferreira and as well as Dan Lambert. So Dan Lambert, he owns American Top Team. And I visited him, it had to be almost two years ago now, and uh, talked to him about putting a gym up here. And he loved the idea. So um, Dan really was the guy that made this happen. And now we have uh, Marcel being our head coach as well as a Muay Thai coach coming up. And uh, we got a good bit of people training here. Um, we got some some obviously some wrestlers, some Penn state guys that are interested in, in starting to fight. And, uh, yeah, we're going to start a little, a little compound out here and hopefully take the plan is every single weight class world champions, um, in this gym in five years. So that's the plan. I love it. Well, I want to come check it out when you're ready. Um, Heck yeah, Matt, Sarah has been on the show a couple of times. I've been on the U I was on the UFC unfiltered podcast two weeks ago with him and Jim Norton to talk mm -hmm. about my admiration for fighters and my love for, for the fight game. Um, I'm a huge fan of it, man. I wish you luck. I, I can't wait to have you back on here. I can't wait to hunt. Can people get Bo Nickel merch? I mean, are you are are do you have a shot named after you at a bar called the Nickelback? Are you a favorite? Are you a fan of the rock band? Because they're one of the worst bands of all time, Bo Nickel. Oh I hope God. you don't like Nickelback. But that's just my opinion. Don't get mad. I'm a Guns N' Roses guy. I'm way older than you, so I don't listen to Nickelback. Um, but do you have a merch line? And if not, let's design one. What do you got going on in the merch line? Yeah, yeah, I have a merch line. So the brand that I'm with is Scrap Life. Uh, you can check it out, www.scraplife.com. Um, we it's uh, we have a few athletes, me, Taylor, Thomas Gilman, Jason Knoll, Jakar Winchester, and Mace Kilty. So we all have signature lines, and uh, we're putting out awesome products all the time. And um, we, we were, for a few years, tied with Under Armour Wrestling. So we basically ran like ua wrestling and uh did all of the under armor wrestling products but now we're our own brand and so we're we still have under Armour products but we're looking we're kind of transitioning into our own thing and and building out all of our own items but yeah we do head to toe apparel gear shoes bags knee pads socks everything scrap life i'm going to be talking to bo nickel about a little bartering a little trade out for hunting gear for scrap life because i want to feel like a wrestler i want to i don't take it i don't take it lightly it's almost like you don't just put on headgear in a singlet and walk into a wrestling match but it would be cool to feel that you know to 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 feel that adrenaline i, I don't just put on wranglers and a cowboy hat and some boots and think that i'm lane frost either i got utmost respect for cowboys and tough Edeman and ty murray and all the badasses like chase outlaw and jesse lockwood and jb mooney holy smokes jb is on a roll this year in the prca he might win the nfr after a couple pbr world titles but i think what wrestlers do and what professional athletes do is so awesome i don't take it lightly i got mad love and respect for it but i wish i could have been it there's just so many there's so many cool things about a wrestling room 
That room has so much pride in it and so much sweat and blood and tears and words of endearment and things that will probably never leave that room. And what Bo Nickel has accomplished in life is unbelievable to me. Four-time finalist in the NCAAs, three-time NCAA Division I champion, Hodge Trophy Award winner, and he's just getting started. You've heard what he's got going on. He's got the entrepreneurial spirit. He's a family man. He has got his own gym coming up. He's got his own merch line with Scrap Life. He has nothing but mad love for his teammates that are over in Tokyo representing the United States of America at the 2020-2021 Olympic Games. It's just awesome. Bo Nickel, congratulations on a great NCAA career. I'm proud to have you on the podcast. I can't wait to have you back. I can't wait to hang with you in real life and keep us posted on what's going on, brother. I will, I will. Well, I appreciate you having me. Thank you for your time. I had a lot of fun. This is a good time. Heck yeah, man. I'll be in touch. That's Bo Nickel. This has been another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. Continue to support our partners and sponsors. Stay safe out there. And if you choose to roll with Jack Daniels, be responsible. Never allow underage drinking. Thank you again, Jack Daniels. And thank you all for the downloads and subscriptions. Tom, Jake, I wish I... Do you have a, a, do you have a walkout song yet, Bo? Hand of God, John Bellion. Hand of God. Jake, what is it? It's called The Hand, Hand of God by John Bellion. B- spell his last name, please. B-E-L-L-I-O-N. His first name is just J-O-N. The Hand of God by John Bullion. That's what we're going to leave you with. John Bellion, Jake and Tom, hit that button, play The Hand of God by John Bellion. Appreciate y'all. Go.